Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are talking about some match sim recaps. Throw out all the research you've done in the preseason. It's time to panic and change your entire team. Let's go! G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Joined, as always, by the coach of the Mighty Oxlongs, Luke Rogerson. How are you, mate? I'm doing good. I'm going good, mate. <laughs> Strap yourself in for a big one. We're talking match sims today. It's going to be a monster podcast. And uh, look, a little bit of a peek behind the curtains here. We got 55 minutes into recording this podcast, and uh, the computer decided to shit itself. So we uh, we're gonna redo this whole podcast again, so and uh, it's a fucking monster. It's podcast a monster for podcast us. for us. So we're gonna be diving into the match sims that happened Please this uh, past week. So. Oh, we'll see how we go. But uh, yes, before we get started into talking about these match sims, what I do want to give you guys a quick shout out to is that we are getting very close to the start of the season. And for those of you who didn't come and watch our live shows, or even if you were watching our live shows anyway, last seasons we normally do a Friday afternoon, evening live show, getting ready for that week, going through captains for trades and things like that. But for round one, we're going to be counting down and you know, basically capturing the panic in our eyes and in our voice um, of the uh, of the countdown to the first round. So there's a landing page already up on YouTube that you guys can go over, and we want to make this the biggest show of the season. So what we want you guys to do is go over to that landing page on YouTube ahead of time, click the like button, and I want to see if we can get to 100 likes on that video before we even go live. So we can get you guys all in there. We usually have some beers, so come along. We usually have some technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. There'll be there'll be all Everything. sorts of shit shows going on, but it's a good way to get started the season. Come and have some fun with us and uh, mark it on your calendars. It'll be 5 p.m. Uh, Melbourne time on that first Friday round one. 
Now, just so, before we get into all this for the second time, um, keep in mind these are match sims. So there's, match sims. there's plenty going on in terms of the people that are playing, but there's also plenty going on in terms of the people that aren't playing. So uh, just, yes. we'll, we'll try and kind of run you through, you know, who was there, who wasn't there, how that kind of influences things, our thoughts on all that. But just remember, That's overall, right. you kind of want to take this with a grain of salt. You, it, it's just one data point. It's a data point. A we want to take this as well as the comments we've seen, the the you know all the highlights we've seen on, on Twitter, and obviously next week's uh, community series games in round zero. It's all going to be a big mishposh of what we're looking at for our first teams. Let's get started. First game, long time ago. A uh, week yes. ago, Richmond versus Melbourne. In this game, there was a lot of players missing, especially for Richmond. Taranto, Prestia, Dusty, Baker, and our number one ruck in Nank weren't there. So, obviously, when you're looking at some of the guys, you need to remember that. And for Melbourne, Brayshaw obviously wasn't there, who's since retired. Lockie Hunter um, is dealing with a calf injury, so he wasn't there as well. Charlie Spargo, who also sometimes goes into the midfield and a bunch of other key position players, weren't available. So we'll start with Richmond, and we'll talk about a guy that we spoke about in our Under the Radar podcast in Jaden Short. What did you see from old Shorty in his role, and is he someone that you know boosted his stocks for you, or what are your thoughts? I think he kind of just maintained. I think he was knocking the rust off a little bit. He, he, the good thing, I think, for a lot of people, if they're interested in Shorty, is that he was playing that half-back role, and with all the midfielders... Yes. No mid role. Yeah, for all the midfielders out for Richmond, you'd think if he was going to get any midfield time, that would have been the time, yep. and he didn't. So I think we can be reasonably confident that he's going to be locked into half-back. Um, problem is, he's... he's if you pick him, you need to be pretty confident that he's going to be around a top six defender. Yes. And I, I'm just not 100% sold on yeah. that. As There's yet. a few other options that are maybe similar price, don't have the early buy, and you sort of just bypass that kind of you know headache. Um, you get a round zero look. So yeah. you know with that one, I wouldn't be reading too much into the weekend. What about a game plan? Did you think the game plan for Richmond looked any major difference like there was some talk about chipping around a bit more I didn't see too not much that of I that. saw there wasn't anything distinct and we'll talk about a few teams that really did change up their back yeah. their game plan um, but for Richmond I kind of just yeah maybe I wasn't watching closely enough yeah I, I mean I didn't see any real distinct like extra you know kick mark game which I think I would want to see for Jaden Short to be enough to bypass that early buy around uh, another cheaper defender for Richmond was Josh Gibkes he, uh, he played pretty well he took a few intercept marks looked solid He's a, he's a key backman. Um, he's cheap, but look, he's not going to score a heap, but we might have to just pencil him in as a, a watch at least, depending on his open round score uh, for the defenders because there are not many defender rookies putting their hands up. But he looks solid, and I expect him to be best 22 for Richmond most weeks, yeah. uh, I think is the main thing from him. Uh, Kay McAuliffe, just quickly, didn't really see him in the first three quarters, so don't really expect him to be there round one. And uh, Steely Green, maybe just one to... Put a little star next to his name in case he does play in round one because he did kick a couple of goals and look pretty good. But again, we'll wait to see round zero and what that puts up. What about Melbourne? Big Maxi Gorn was doing Maxi Gorn things, wasn't he? Dominated. He, um, if uh, I think it put put simply, if you were thinking about picking Max Gorn, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. He looks like Max. Um, yeah, obviously no Nank there, so we had a couple of backup Ruckmans in there, and he dominated like you would expect him to. So yeah. that's all you can kind of take away. Someone will give a little bit more time to is Jack Billings. What did you see? Yeah, so I've seen people say that they liked what they saw from Jack Billings. Some people I've seen say that they didn't like what they saw. I guess yeah. it depends on what you expected him. I never expected him to be an inside midfielder, and he wasn't that. I think he had one or two CBAs in the in the time that he was in there. Um, played pretty much predominantly off the high half forward. Um, but he found a bit of it. I think he played well as that connector role. 
Um, led up strong for some marks, got some good inside 50s, which is what they want him to be doing. Uh, I think he played better in the first half and then kind of slowed down in the third and fourth. Actually, yeah. I don't even know if he played in the fourth. But, um, yeah, it's it's not necessarily stocks up usually, but not stocks down. He's kind of still in the mix without really elevating himself, I think. What, what, how did you see it? Yeah, it's interesting... Um you know, when you, you're watching someone so closely, I think sometimes you can trick yourself into the fact that maybe they had more ball than you, yeah. than they actually did. And I think I got a little bit of that, but it's, some of the stuff that he did looked pretty clean. And like you said, he was playing that connector role. So I feel reasonably confident that he's going to be there um, in a consistent role for, for Melbourne. Um, it's just whether that scoring potential is there. Because if you're picking him, you want him to obviously go sort of 20 points upside. Um, yeah. And whether that will be the case, we'll have to wait and see. He looks healthy, so I think that's also another big thing for him as well. So that's good. One guy who I was very impressed by yeah. was the young fella in Caleb Windsor. I thought he looked... He looks... Uh, just had something extra about him, like good pace. Bounce, eh? uh, yeah, he runs really well. Um, he didn't look overwhelmed or, you know... Like it was too much for him. There was a there was a tackle. I think he got cleaned up pretty good, and a bit winded, but came back on and battled through that. Wind, so winded Windsor, winded Windsor. Yeah, there you go. He, I think now he played on the wing predominantly. Yeah. Um. In fact, I think it was exclusively on the wing. Um. And there was no Lockie Hunter. Now he's dealing with, I think, like I said, a bit of a calf issue. So I don't know if he's guaranteed to be there round one. Um. But if he is there, I think that based on what I saw, he showed enough that they would find something for him to do and be in that team. Whether it is off halfback, which I think he played a little bit of maybe in juniors, I've, I've heard. But I think he's someone that if he's there round one, he could be potentially an on-field option for us yeah, based okay. on what I saw. Okay. When you see that kind of confidence from a young fellow, that kind of fills you with confidence yeah. as a coach, doesn't it? In terms yeah, of he just really career. attacks the game and um, yeah. just provided a bit extra spark, I think, that Melbourne are going to want to need with a lot of their, obviously, off-season you know, drama is something that they can, like a bright spot that they can go, hey, look at this guy. I don't fair know. Enough, fair enough. What about Trent Rivers? Talk about him. Now, he's uh, he's an interesting one. Well, I think he was. <laughs> You're going to repeat the joke. <laughs> no, go on, do, do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. Well, I think Rivers was living up to his name because he was flowing off the half-back one. <laughs> oh, jeez. Obviously, people, obviously, that's the first time they've heard it, but I've heard you try that one twice now yeah, and well, it landed just as well the second time as it did the first it did I thought as his name was coming up I was like do I just rerun this for you? <laughs> it's only it's only Mitch that's heard it absolutely yeah they don't know but I've, I've added you there uh, but he, <laughs> he was the the main guy I think the the go-to user of halfback I think interesting that he had no CBAs because that was maybe a bit of the, the talk or the chatter in the preseason that <laughs> Rivers was going to go in there with Oliver maybe missing but Oliver's back none maybe. of none of that so and with Brayshaw now retiring um, and Salem potentially moving to the midfield, I don't know what's going on there. Like, I do think there is some upside with Trent Rivers. Um, is it enough? He's at that like Jordan Clark kind of price bracket. We'll talk about Clark later. I kind of liked what I saw from Clark more than I did Rivers. Yeah. I don't know. There was a bit I liked about Rivers, but yeah, it's, it's going to be something that I'd want to continue to see really good performances over the next couple of games, but definitely on my radar, at least as a watch, if he wasn't already. Um, Marty Hall, less promiscuous than we'd hoped. No, yeah, not as promiscuous. Wasn't riding the uh, wasn't riding the wood there. Um, another reused joke. <laughs> <laughs> feels so cheap. It does, uh, um, they haven't heard it. I, I know, know, I know, but it just feels so cheap. Uh, but yeah, he. I'd be not counting on him being there round one. So 
if if he's penciled in as your D six, I think you make other plans and, and yep. have backup options because I don't know if he's going to be there. Um, Kynan Brown, maybe around one bolter. Again, just want to sort of put a little star next to his name, 200k mid forward. And the other thing that we should flag as well, that in the second half of the game when they were playing the VFL team, Christian Salem and Petra, not Petrarca, um, Oliver yeah. played inside midfield time, particularly on the Salem side. We're not touching Oliver and Classic, I don't think. Although I think my money would be that he's there Round zero or round one, could early a, in the could season. Be an all-time pod. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of risk, but obviously we know what he can do. Um, but Christian Salem, inside midfield time, no Brayshaw anymore. Their midfield's a bit all over the place. Is he someone that maybe hasn't been talked about really at all in the preseason? Are we going there? I mean, he's had some interrupted preseason, obviously, while he played. In yeah, the, in the twos. You kind of look at it two ways, don't you? It's like he didn't play at the start of the game. That doesn't fill you with confidence. But then the fact that he played inside midfield, if the intention wasn't for him to play that role, why would you bother? Yeah. Um, but again, wait and see. Got yeah, I, I think he's more likely a guy that we don't start with but jump on if it's looking if great. It's yeah. But yeah, at least just be aware that there might be a bit of a role change there coming for Salem. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harm credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Should we talk about a super relevant game in North Melbourne and Collingwood? Super relevant North Melbourne versus Collingwood. Now, Collingwood's probably the less relevant uh, team here because they rested basically half their premiership side. <laughs> um, so, in this game, we were missing Zane Dersman for North Melbourne. Bailey Scott, which I also think is one to be on top of. Luke McDonald from the halfback as well. Charlie Combin, who, you know, this vision of him taking kick-ins. Uh, and Darcy Tucker and Greenwood from the mids. Uh, for Collingwood, there was no Pendles, Sidebottom, Howe, Crisp, Mitchell, Maynard, Elliott, Darcy Moore. So there's Did eight. anyone play? Hardly <laughs> uh, anyone from their premiership team. So a lot of the stuff we saw from Collingwood, obviously they got pumped by North Melbourne. We're not going to expect that. Um, but 
what we can take away from this game, first of all, from a North Melbourne general point of view, yep. hashtag Northball um, <laughs> is is the talk going around. They play fast and took on the corridor yeah. a lot. They did. It's it's going to be diff- It's going to look different when they're up against a team that'll actually try and stop yeah. that. It's going to look different when the pressure. You still of the playing? Real are you still playing going. hashtag Northball when uh, when you're down fifty points? Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's it's kind of the can they can they do it under the pressure of a real game, and then can they sustain it for for the course of the year as well? So, I mean, the interesting thing about hashtag Northball is how does it influence their scoring? So you you would expect if you were kind of looking at it from a general sense that moving the ball fast would. Um, serve to lessen the points for your your halfbacks and your defenders yeah. because you're maybe not getting as much of that chip. chippy chippy stuff. But we kind of saw something different on the on the weekend. Yeah, well, it looks like uh, especially you know those running halfbacks were being used really prominently. Like at any chance that they got, if there was a guy running past, they'd give those handballs and and players like Fisher, players like um, Sheasel and uh, our boy McKercher. They benefited because they were the guys that were providing that run, and yeah. um, so I think that it, it, it's not not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing, honestly, for those younger, fast-paced guys. Um, now the question arises: is how many points can three of those players sustain? And then you throw into the mix a McDonald and a Bailey Scott, who some people also think might move back there as well, or he plays some wing. And the flow-on effect on how that affects Sheasel. So Sheasel was the the guy that really stood out to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and he's probably made his way into a few teams out there. He had like 40 touches, I think the stat counters were saying. But I, I'm still a little bit... I, I want to watch them again next week. And hopefully the Bailey Scots and, and McDonald's are there. And we can get a better sense of how it looks like with their proper team. Especially in that back half looks. Yeah. And if that maybe gives them license to move Sheasel up the ground more. But... Based on that game and that game alone, the concerns of him being a mid, maybe resting forward, were alleviated a fair bit. But I don't know if we're out of the woodworks just yet. What, what are your thoughts on Sheasel? Out of the woodworks. Out of the woodworks. <laughs> oh, no, out just, of the woods. Out of the woods. Whatever. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on Sheasel? Doing a bit of woodwork. Um, sorry, you frazzled me. I'm thinking about woodwork. Um, Sheasel what kind was, of woodwork are you thinking about? Well, not that kind of woodwork, mate. You just sick, eh? Uh, we're getting tired, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we are. we're two hours into it, two an hour long podcast. <laughs> um, Sheezer wasn't a guy that I've been particularly high on all throughout the preseason, and then when I was watching that game, I was like, "Well, you got to stand up and pay attention to what he did." Yes. And the interesting thing as well is when um, in those um, last five minutes, the game the quarter, scenario, the game scenario yeah. stuff. When North did decide that we need to possess the ball a little bit, then who were they going to? It was, it was Sheezer. He was waxing too. Absolutely. So yes. Not only is he providing bounce, but he's it had it had Nick Dacos vibes to it in the sense Ooh. in the sense yep. of North trying to get the ball in his hands yeah, at yeah. every single opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, I did, I did notice that in the first probably the first half especially that uh, I don't think I saw him take many kick ins. Um, I think the role was more shared between McKercher and um, Fisher, and Sheasel was kind of already up at the stoppages. Um, and then when Fisher rested the second half, so obviously he didn't play the second half, then Sheasel took a bit more of a prominent role in the kick-ins. Now, he still was playing back, and like you said, in those um, game scenario situations where they, I think they were up seven and they had five minutes to hold yeah. the lead or something like that, he was the guy that really said, give me the ball, I'll organise everyone, um, Which and he racked up in that time. So I, I thought that was very interesting. Um, to my eye in that first half, he was probably 30% mid about 70% back. Um, 
whether or not that's, again, going to change with some of those guys coming back. One to watch. But definitely a little bit less concerned about those flaws which we talked about yeah. earlier in the preseason if he is still a lot of, you know, in that back line getting that um, cheap ball. Despite those... Um Hamstring concerns for Fisher as well. He looked really good. I, I think Fish is back on the yeah. menu. Fish is so. back on the menu, boys. <laughs> Jeez. Recycling. All right, let's go. I try to steal it. Uh, yeah, you, you dirty bird. All right, uh, let's go on to... Oh, sorry. Anyway, well, on Fisher, I think... <laughs> I'm frazzled. I'm frazzled, mate. Uh, he looked quick. Like, he was... That was the one thing. Looking at his hamstrings... Yeah, it you was know, like a quick fish. He was a quick fish. He was... Just a marlin. <laughs> just kept swimming. What, what's that, your fish? I thought... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But no, he looked good. And I think um, the, the first takeaway from that first quarter, I texted you when I said... Fish looks fast. He's, fish looks fast. <laughs> he's a fast fish and, and he's he's in my team again. So uh, definitely, if you ruled a line out of him, rub that line out and uh, yeah, back on the menu. Uh, what about um, George Wardlaw? I know you're very keen on on the Wardlaw. Well, he only played the, the first half. He looked Correct. really good. I know your concern is... is- uh, sort of quantity, uh, quality over quantity with him. Yeah. Um, but I think that he showed last year in, in patches in his rookie season that, you know, he's able to get a little bit of the ball and he's able to score. So I think he's going to be exclusively a midfielder. Yep, um, agree. At North Melbourne. And if he can get enough game time, I think he's a guy that can do it with some tackles, a few marks, and obviously some possessions here it, as well. So he was top two. Like it was, it was LDU, yeah. which again, we, we'll touch on. He just did LDU things. Don't yep. need to dig too much into him. Um, and, and Wardlaw was second. Yeah. I think in the first half when he played, he was like 90% CBAs. Now, it looked to me as though he is being managed a little bit in the time on ground, and that is something that I am concerned about and how high his time on ground can push with someone who's had injury issues in the past. Um, and I also worry about that hashtag North ball. If they are playing quick, I, I worry that Wardlaw is the type of player that might get a bit lost a bit more in that type of situation because he is such a good contested player. Um, not to say that he can't pop out and get his marks and things like that, but it's probably not his strength. Um, so still a watch for me, not ruling him out, but I still have a few questions on Wardlaw, maybe a bit more so than, than you do. But he looks like a bloody player, I tell you what. like He's going to be at one point in his career an uber premium for us, um, which is... Maybe it's not this year for me. But let's talk about a couple other guys that were in the midfield in Tom Powell and Charlie Lazaro. What did you see from these boys? Start with Tom Powell first. Powell, obviously, yeah, and playing some heavy midfield minutes uh, in there as well. So I think that it it depends how deep you think the North midfield rotation is going to go. So we go LDU, we go Wardlaw is obviously going to be I think they're top two. I think we get a little bit from Simkin. Um, a little bit. He was hardly in there at all, which is the other thing. I've, I've ruled a line at through Simkin just so, quickly. So that probably you know opens those opportunities for, for a guy like Powell yeah. to have high CBAs. Do you think that he can comfortably outperform his price by enough to make him value? I think that, yes. I think that is definitely a scenario that can happen. He's definitely on my radar. We talked about him in our uh, Under the Radar podcast and... He's someone that if you weren't considering him, I think you definitely need to put that little star next to him and watch him closely next week um, because I think there's a world where he's the third option in that midfield. Um, yeah, okay. And Jai Simkin is a bit more of that forward uh, player. Um, I think he... like he's He scored 68, I think, in his rookie season. Um, he's coming in price of 57. And he did that on like 30% CBAs in his rookie year. So... Yeah. I, I think there's there's definitely 20 to 25 points of upside there. And in a forward line in this type of um, year, that might get you 
they're they're close to a top six forward, or, or you know, at least something you don't have to trade out very quickly. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a watch. I am still very intrigued about how those other guys come in. I mean, do they play a Greenwood? I mean, I would think he's not best twenty-two, yeah. but he's another guy that he, if he's playing, he's only playing as mid. You would think. Yeah, I, um, I hope that they're going to the youth. I, I would hope so too, but it's just another thing to consider. And yeah. and that Sheasel wing half-back dynamic I still think hasn't fully played out yet. Um, so it's it's a step in the right direction. I want to see it again next week. Lazaro, I think, given his price, he only really has to get a little taste in there to be to be valued. Yeah. So he was like their fourth option in the midfield, I'd say. Yeah. Um, probably even still ahead of Ajay Simkin. But even if he just gets a little taste in the midfield at his 288k or whatever it is, that's all you need. And um, yeah, he's, sure. he's been touted as having a great preseason. So... Rookie price, I think it's okay to also have on your ground, especially if he does have that role. So ticks for him so far. Dylan Stevens, you liked. He played a pure ring role, uh, wing role. Um, <laughs> Not the ring role. The ring role. Uh, I think personally, I'm putting a line through him. Yeah. Uh, I want my midfielders to be playing inside mid time. Yeah. Um, I think I almost want it to be true more yeah. than it actually is. So I think, I, yeah. I think, I think that, he'll play that role well, but it's, like you said, we've got better picks in the midfield. Yeah. Colby McCurch is a lock. Don't to talk about him. Um, yeah. Nick Dacos did his thing. Again, he was kind of going half pace wanna, and he's still... Do you still... want to talk about your North big boy? Where's my big boy? Oh, Excerpt. yeah, we skipped skipped ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, Tristan Sherry, yes. He, he killed it, I thought. I thought he played really, really well. Um, he's clear number one ruck. And the one thing I did really like is that it looked to me as though that there was a conscious effort to try and find him the ball as that tall marking target... Um, down the line, but also a little bit through the centre of the ground as well so that he could get the mark, give the handballs off to those McKercher, Fisher, Sheasel types. Um, and if that's going to be the case and that's going to be his role, I think there's no reason he can't average 90 plus and be someone who's potentially 25 to 30 points underpriced. So I think it's a big tick for Trish and Jerry and uh, he looked good in the helmet. Uh, not the full, not the full mask. No, he didn't have the Hannibal Lecter going on, but he no. did. He did look really good. So he's making our decision very difficult, isn't he? Yes. So again, if you weren't considering Tristan Jerry, I think get back out there and uh, have a look at him because he looked, he looked the goods to me so far. Um, Dacos. Yeah, Dacos did Dacos things. What about McRae? Talk to us about McRae. So Finn McRae, he was he was high CBA usage. I think he was of the entire game the highest of the the pies. But remember, they had. Half their team missing, a lot of midfielders. Dacos only played the first half. <clears throat> so, um, look, he didn't really impress me a lot. Like, he looked good in the first quarter. Yeah. But they definitely faded a bit towards the end of the game. Um, kicked a goal, I think, from 50 metres at one point, which was pretty nice. But I still have a little bit of concerns about how close he is to the edge of that team and the vest risk for him. Um, 310k, you'd want to be putting him on your ground. And you'd hope that with a player like that, you don't have that risk of the vest. But again, he plays round zero, so you're going to have a good look at it in that yeah. first round. So you'll have a lot more information. But look, all he could do was come out with a lot of those players missing and play inside midfield time. Yeah. And he did that. He was in there the most out of anyone. Um, so, Yeah, he's a really interesting one because the, the narrative that's coming out of Collingwood at the moment from the coach, from players when they're interviewed is like, is Finlay McRae, get on yeah. this guy. This guy's a gun. This guy's in. This guy's... And then when you kind of look at it you, you think oh he's in there but there's so many people out so yeah. it's kind of it's a little bit contradictory of what we're seeing so I'm, I'm glad that we get a round zero look at it the other thing is like like 
in this game, Collingwood were smashed in the clearance. So yeah. you would think, obviously, when they've got their cattle back, that they'd have a bit more of the ball themselves, and um, yeah. and that might help someone like a Finlay McRae. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's all from this one game. Um, lots to, obviously, watch still with North next week. For sure. Now, you're going to take the reins for the next little bit because uh, there's a couple of games here that I didn't watch, but you've got some copious notes here, which is fantastic. Copious notes. Now, Sydney versus GWS, I watched this game and I left more confused than when I started watching the game <laughs> because their midfield was it was deep man there was a lot of guys going through there there was a lot of guys rotating through the wing fucking Isaac Heaney made his seasonal uh, you know regular appearance inside the midfield like he does every single year um, is that going to be finally the year the eighth year in a row it finally <laughs> happens eighth time lucky um, you know players like uh Justin McInerney were inside the the midfield at, at times um, Papley was in there James Jordan was in there. Um, Errol Goulden came in after basically the last two minutes of the second quarter. So he missed basically the first half. There was no Taylor Adams. So I don't think we got much clarity in terms of their midfield rotation. Um, so I'm not really walking away with that one with much concrete data. For the one thing that I did watch very closely because this is a big decision for me is the Brody Grundy factor. And how did he look? And um, I've talked to you off, off camera and I... I, I will admit, I think I've got a bit of an anti-Grundy bias going on, so I'm you trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to check myself and make sure I'm not, you know, not looking at it rationally. But to me, a lot of people said that he was back on Twitter. A lot of things saying that, yep, lock him in. I didn't think he looked all that good, personally. The biggest thing that we saw when he was in Collingwood and he was the best Brody Grundy of old was he was that quote-unquote fourth midfielder. He was linking up through disposal change and they would use him on those 45s as a marking target. I didn't see any of that in this in this game. He tackled well and he was clearly the number one ruck, 80% plus, basically. Um, so from that point of view, there is absolutely upside. Yeah. But I don't know if it's the 100, 105 plus upside that people are wanting him to be. Those are my concerns, but... Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no disputing this upside, and you, you mentioned the tackles before, and he obviously, I think, uh, like you said, there's some it's like eight or nine stats, tackles, I think, which yeah. is fantastic. But again, that's not a sustainable thing. We're not expecting Brody Grundy to have nine yeah. tackles per game, so um, I, I, that does concern me a little bit because I don't think, and and I may be talking out of my ass, but I don't think he's ever been the big marking target down the line, big contested pack. Yeah, mark. so a lot well, of there the was marks, a reason like he wasn't working out as a key forward because. Yeah. He couldn't take those grabs as well as so you would hope. A lot of those marks were him yeah, sitting on the, the 45 when the opposition Ruckman would drop back down to cover that kick yeah. down the line and then he'd link up and chain through. So, um, yeah, I, I understand the flags that you've got there as well. Um, but like you said, there's still no disputing that he's value. It's just... He's I value. And, and if, of, it wasn't, if it wasn't a season like this where there are other great options, I wouldn't be sitting here kind of nitpicking those little things. Like, it, yeah. he'd still be in my team. But because I've got other options that are also really great, I am trying to be a little bit more critical than just saying, he's value, lock him in. Because I, I want to explore those other options as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to watch him again. Yep. And obviously, we're going to see him in opening round. But again, just to maybe go against the narrative that I've seen a lot out there that he was back into, you know, number one ruck form. I didn't necessarily love it. Um, in terms of the Giants, oh, the other person we should talk about is Matt Roberts, um, who he was playing off halfback. Okay. Um, now, he had a few times where he had some bad turnovers um, and some bad errors, but he did get better as the game 
went on, I thought. So, so you do enough to warrant his sort of spot in our benches at the minute? Uh, or? I think so, maybe more so than some other guys that we'll talk about later, but right. there is still a little bit of concern about how high up the team order he is, and I wonder, obviously, we had a few guys missing, and the players like, um, like when Errol came into the side... Someone like, um, who's there, uh, Braden Campbell, he started on a wing, but okay. then when Errol came back in, Campbell went back. So you've got players like Campbell, Lloyd, Blakey, McInerney. and um, yeah, McInerney on the wing. Sometimes he floats back as well. And you've got Matt Roberts. Like, how many of those guys can actually have yeah. in there? Um, I thought was the kind of question that I walked away from. So he's clearly behind, like, Lloyd's and Blakey. He's like, we weren't expecting that. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the makeup of... The wings, halfbacks, and mids. It's there's a, still a big rotating door there. I think so. I have to keep watching that one closely to get a better gauge of it. Uh, not too much to see from the Giants, really. Um, Aaron Cadman, two twenty k. He looked bigger, but he's still a key forward. And Harvey Thomas is maybe someone that you put a little star next to because he might pop up in round one. So that's pretty much it from right. those boys. Geelong and Carlton's not super fantasy relevant, but not there were a couple of here. things that you saw. Yeah, well, the biggest news from this one, Cam Guthrie injured literally the first play of the game. Um, you know, took the ball out of the clearance, was running to kick the ball inside 50 and basically did his quad. So I think line through him uh, might save a few people, uh, might be a beneficial thing for those who were liking him because I was never fully on board, but I don't think you can pick him now after obviously he's 32 or whatever, how old he is, um, done in a quad. Tom Stewart, he had the half-back role, no CBAs. He, okay. was, he was definitely not a midfielder in this game. Yeah. Um, which I, don't know, I think we can see is a good thing, especially for the early run. Um, so that was there. And the other player from the Cats was Jai Clark, we were looking at. That. And he, like I was talking about with Matt Roberts, I think Matt Roberts, I feel more confident at this stage than Jai Clark, at least from a scoring point of view. Jai Clark started in the CBAs, he was in the opening centre bounce, uh, but Patrick Dangerfield didn't play the first quarter. And as soon as Danger came back on in the second quarter, I feel like we saw a little bit less of Clark. Now, Cam Guthrie getting injured is good. That helps him in terms of a job security point of view. But I'm a little bit worried about his time on ground percentage and if he is a sub-risk on this team. And we know Geelong loves to ease their young guys in. So, yeah. It's one to watch, but uh, I don't think it was necessarily stocks. It was kind of neither stocks up nor stocks down. It was kind of a still need more info for him. Um, now, dirt cheap is Orazio Fantasia, and uh, you reckon that there might be something to it? Yeah, he played all right. I mean, he kicked a couple of goals. They definitely were looking for him. Um, I think there was a game, there was a kick where I think Jeremy Cameron had it, the ball ready for a set shot. Jeremy and, Cameron. What did I say? Yeah, Jer- no, someone. One of, the, one of their key forwards. I think it was, yeah, one of the Kernos or something. I don't know. I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> plays for uh, the team. Plays for Carlton. <laughs> one of the key forwards had the ball and they found him instead of taking their set shot. Um, so he kicked a goal, basically gifted to him. Um, we're going to see his early, his round zero score. So I think it's more of a case of wait and see. But I do think he'll be best 22, yeah. uh, which is a tick in his favour. Especially so cheap. Um, he's a rookie price. He's so. what, two, 250k or something like that. So yeah, yeah. Once, to, once to keep an eye. Not bad to have that kind of job security on your uh, on your bench, which is good. Now this next game we got to watch together, which was good. Gold Coast played Brisbane, and there were a few interesting things to come. Yes. Back. Something I want to talk about first is just the conditions. So the first half of the game was sort of mid afternoon, so it was reasonably dry. But as the game progressed, um, it got half. moister and moister. So this is something that's interesting because. Gold Coast obviously have the run of games to start the season that 
bales let us know about that is um, incredibly moist. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. nighttime Gold Coast games. There's um, Northern Territory games. Yeah, they, it's go, all they go to so, Mars. Yep. <laughs> to go to Mars, it's tough, tough conditions. <laughs> um, the, the thing is that when it did get moist... The game just descended into absolutely sloppy chaos, yeah. wasn't it? So yeah. you guys like that are coming off halfback, Kitty Coleman, um, Alex Sexton, um, Connor Buderick, these guys effectively didn't have much influence past yep. that point because it yep. was just really sloppy. So just something interesting, I think, too. And think and about. we know like Dimmer and Richmond, like whenever Richmond were up and about, you and I, we would love a, oh, a yeah. wet game for yep. Richmond because it was just get the ball forward, slap it forward, and yep. and the fantasy points. Dove down, but it worked for Dimmer, I think. So um, I, I would imagine he carries over a similar kind of game plan. So one thing to flag for those halfbacks. But I guess the man of the hour from this this game here is uh, is our boy here. Flanders! What? Flanders! What? A long sound grab. Just as good as the first time. Uh, <laughs> so Flanders racked up in this. Well, I wouldn't say he racked up, but his role was just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the the most obvious thing from this game was they had the tightest of midfield rotations, uh, basically of any club. They had four guys go through there in Took Miller, um, Noah Anderson, Matt Rowell, and Sam Flanders. The only other player to get a CBA was, I think, uh, Bailey Humphrey, and he had one or two, uh, yeah. essentially, in that first half. So, to me, and we'll touch on this on a few guys later, not only do you take that, you take the comments from Dimmer early in the week and you bring those two, two things together and it really paints the picture of this guy is going to be an inside midfielder through and through. And if this is the role that he is going to have come opening round and round one, I tend to lean towards the fact that he is someone that you want to just put in your team and figure the rest out later. Um, now, I know he has the round three buy and you can argue that he's not going to get away from you by then, but... In my mind, I'm trying to limit the the carnage potential to prevent me from getting a player like this when he is, I think, in this role, a clear F1. And um, yeah. he has upside at his price. So that's the what I got walking away from this game. What are your thoughts and what did you think of Flanders when you watched The trouble watched is the guy has a ceiling as well. So does. If, you know, if he gives you maybe 100 in round zero and you go, oh, I'll just grab him after round three and then he gives you back-to-back 140s yeah. or something like that. Um, you know, you, you might have lost a little bit of value there. I'm I'm kind of a little bit neither here nor there. What, what Hypothetical, what would he have to do in round zero for you to not to pick him? I think... I think he, if he goes under 90, I think I'm happy to fade it. So if he goes under his priced out figure, I'll, I'll probably you know sit back and wait wait till his, his buy and, and just fingers crossed he doesn't hurt me too much in those first two rounds. Yeah. But even if he just goes like a 95 or 100 and he's in that role, um, I'm, I'm picking him because I'm getting him for scoring and I'm getting him for someone that I think he's got value. Just because he didn't score like the big 120 in the opening round doesn't mean he won't score it in rounds one and two. Um and I don't want to necessarily be chasing my tail, getting him in that round four week and risk something else coming up and maybe I'd have to choose between him and another option that's really, really good. I want to have that flexibility there come that round. And I just, I think he's a clear F1. I think he's he's definitely up there for me in um, priorities to, to start with. So It, it looked good, didn't it? The it did look good. Like, so like there was those clear four guys and... Uh, 
you know, Swallow was moved out of there. He was on the halfback yeah. line. So the fact that he was playing and wasn't in there and was playing a new role it makes it even yeah. more good. There was no one there. out that you would say, oh, they might come in and steal. Like, it was it was basically their, their top team with a few guys, but not midfielders out. Yeah. So... I feel pretty confident that this is going to be his role. I'd want to double-check it again in opening round and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But based on what's been happening so far, it looks good. Stock's up for Sam Flanders. Let's talk a little bit more about someone that you've dubbed the Sex Pistol. The Sex Pistol! Alex Sexton! Uh, Shooting his sexy magic across half-back. What uh, would you like? He looked good. I mean, he had the role that everyone's been hoping for. He had the half-back role, took kick-ins. Um, so whenever you can get a guy priced under 400k in your forward line that takes kick-ins, it's definitely something you pay attention to. Yeah. Um, is it is it a rat pasta? That's the concern. Or trap. a constable. Yeah, so they didn't have Will Powell. Yep who I still think is their, their guy, their number one guy. Um, and like we said, Swallow moved back. So you've got Swallow, Connor Buderick, Alex Sexton, Will Powell. Like how many of those guys are they going to run with? Yeah. And how short or long of a leash is Sexton going to have if, it, going if it starts going bad? That's and he's 30 years old. There's Look, it's definitely a tick from that game, but... You also start to stack up how many round three players do you want? Do you want a Flanders? Do you want a Connor Buderick? This you... is true as well. Yeah, this is something when you combine the fact that they really looked for him on the weekend in the first half before it got slippery, and that Flanders uh, went on the traders and said pick Sexton in your team. Like you said before, you combine those two yes. things and you think that's a great pick. But I do think there's something to be said for that fact that if it does start to go wrong, he's the older of those guys. Like yeah. guys like Powell, guys like Buderick are going to have much more time if it goes wrong for them, then what Sexton will yeah. in that same situation. So there were a couple of things. Like he, he obviously got a lot of the ball. There were a couple of times he butchered it. It's that that, that might all, happen. Yeah, that's all fine. all kind of easing into it. I get that. But I, I think that, yeah, there is something to be said for how it's definitely it It's definitely a positive, right? It's definitely a positive. But I just want to make sure that we're not just locking him in, not watching the next one and just go and yes. throw the keys away because yeah, there, zero there are still things that could change between now and round one when he's in our side scoring points. For sure. Do you want to talk about uh, Kitty Coleman really briefly? Yeah, Kitty Coleman, he, he kind of did his thing. I, I think, I mean, he got a lot of the footy. There was no McKenna in this one, which yep. we do want to flag, who's their other kind of main user. He had some kick-ins. Wilmot took some kick-ins as well. So I don't think he necessarily has a vast majority or monopoly on those kick-ins, um, but he'll get a share of them. Yep. And, um, yeah, I mean, he looked good if you were on him. I don't think you're dissuaded. If you were not on him, I don't think you're convinced to go there. It's kind of just a watch still, I think, depending on that round zero score. Yeah, for sure. Next game was hugely fantasy relevant. We, yes, this, I mean, is, this is your game over here. So It is, yeah. I was watching this one closely. To start with, we got Bevo, didn't we? Because Fucking Bevo. Pre-season, he's already given us these curveballs. Yeah, so we didn't see much to sort of... So the dogs, you can, you, can, you can almost, like, I mean, apart from maybe some of the younger guys that you just want to see them play, but roles and things like that, you've got two completely separate teams. There's no A team, B team. It's just split down the middle. Yeah. The roles Makes almost very hard mean to, nothing. to take things as gospel yeah. from that one. So a lot of what we looked at was obviously the Hawth- Hawthorne, and we, we learned a few things, I think, because it was mainly their midfield that we were having a look at, and we saw yes. a couple of young guys, <clears throat> excuse me, pop their heads up. Um Namely, Cam McKenzie and then Henry Hustwaite. Yes, so well. he was. A, you were saying he was the bit of a surprise packet there for the first half and looked good. Yeah, well, Henry Hustwaite. That is uh, to start with. I was looking and going, "Who the heck's number forty-four? But then yeah. I said, "Hang on, Hustwaite a second. 
that's Henry Hustlade. <laughs> that's that's him. That's um, your boy. So this is this is the thing. Nine CBAs. Nine out, out of fifteen in the first I think half. So yeah, more than what's that like sixty so, percent or so. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm referencing the first half because in the second half we obviously didn't see uh, Warple. Warple didn't play half time, and then um, Newcomb in the fourth quarter didn't play he as didn't well. Play, yeah. So the first half is is kind of what we want to look at yeah, most rehearsal. Yeah, closely. And he was a guy that they obviously rate, and he's in there. Um, the Will Day thing is, is the thing, isn't yes. it? It's like, uh, do I expect Husswaite to be taking that much of a role when Will Day comes back? No. But is he a guy that you could perhaps have for three, four weeks, ride some cash, yeah. gen, and then get off when Day yeah. comes back? Maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, he, lo- he didn't look out of place in there. His mid-only is the thing that we also learned when we finally looked up his name in yes. the AFL fantasy Yeah, I was, app. I and, was uh, pretty high before I realised he was mid-only. So, <laughs> it, look, I think he's priced very similar to a Cam McKenzie, but obviously Cam McKenzie has that forward status. Yes. And um, for McKenzie... He, he was also good, you, you said. He was. For, for him, the role wasn't as, in, at least in the first half, wasn't as locked in that CBA... Um, role. He did spend a little bit of time on the wing, a little bit of time forward. But for a guy that um, is about 400k in our forward lines, I think it's one that we can take a little bit of a punt on. He um, obviously did see more CBAs in the second half and looked really, really good when when Warple and uh, yeah. then Newcomb weren't there as well. Um, but interestingly, someone that you were high on, Connor McDonald, unfortunately didn't see bow, bow. any CBA. Yeah. So that was interesting because we were looking for that uh, and it didn't kind of eventuate. He played that half-forward role. Um, the only thing that you might be able to hang your hat on is that Dylan Moore wasn't there. Was he, was yeah. he playing that But he's role? not he's not a certainty return to round one with that glandular fever either. So, so I, I do this thing. This is a, a big... Big stocks down for Connor McDonald and uh, back-to-back years where uh, high half forward for Hawthorne has made me look like an idiot in the preseason where I was high on them and then uh, have to sort of concede that the role might not be there. And if the role is not there, I don't think you can jump onto it before round one. You might maybe have at some point you trade into him, but yeah, if, if we see a similar thing like this next week, then yeah, he kind of rules himself out. Josh Ward was an interesting one because if you just watched quarter four, you go, get that bloke in my team. But obviously, he only went in and had you know the majority of his CBAs when Newcomb went out in that fourth quarter. Yep. Other than that, he pretty much played on the wing. He had Maybe he had a couple of CBAs here and there in the first half. Um, so it's sort of a frustrating one in the sense of when he's in that role, you know that he can do the job really well, but mm. it's just it looks as though he probably won't get that role. Yeah, which is interesting because a lot of people thought he would be the guy that stepped in there. But mm. you know some of those other younger boys sort of make it a little bit little bit more difficult for him to do that. What about John Newcomb? He's someone that I'm considering and watching and he's at that like sort of low 90s price tag. We want him to sort of take that step up to that 105 plus. Like, what did he look like and um, how, how did you see him play? Yeah, for me, it's a really tricky one. Without sitting there and taking his stats, it's, it's hard to tell whether that 95 guy is going to go the 105 from yeah. a match sim. But f- just... From what I saw, it looked as though he was just doing giant new kind of kind of ticking the legs over. Yeah, he obviously had his CBAs, which is what you'd be expecting. No other secondary role; like he was pure inside, pure inside mid. And yep. it didn't um, seem to me to be anything that we might not have seen last year as well. I didn't watch him super closely last year, and then obviously fourth quarter to play. So. so he had he had some games where he was super high inside midfield time, uh, but some games he wasn't. Surprisingly, so yeah. I think the the upside is that. He he does have some CBA upside, surprisingly enough. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's something that I think we'll get a better gauge on in the next next game, which will be a bit more of a full dress rehearsal. And if he plays the full game out, and maybe we have some more stats to you know pinpoint that. But yeah, from from watching, it didn't look like he stood above Nash and Warple. Right. 
Um, okay. I would definitely say Warple only played the half, but in that half, it was CBA City for Warple. Yeah. Um, and then, I think it was a half, half three quarters. Um, yeah, it's not like Newcomb then stood above the pack as that outright guy. All right, over to the dogs. A couple of guys that maybe we can learn a little bit from. And we, I mean, we probably already knew this, but Riley Sanders, lock him into your side, basically. Yep. If he's there round one, he... Uh, Twitter was ablaze when when oh, he was he going. Was Everyone was best on ground in quarter one, if not. Best yeah, so he he's someone that I think we can pretty confidently have on our field at M seven or M eight. And Nick Caulfield, um, I think you've got some some stats here that you've written down that he found a bit of it in the third quarter and scored all right. And uh, yeah, he did, all right. did what th- you wanted him to do, I guess. I think that's it. I think uh, he was reasonably busy in the first half, and then I, I decided I'd keep a few stats in the second half. There, I think he had. About 22 fantasy points in the in the third quarter and then 16 in the fourth quarter. That 22 included three plus sixes. So, um, look, I think at what he's priced at, if you could pick him as your D6, um, I think he'd be very happy if he could give you 75 points a game. Yeah, so, 100%. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because, like we said, the Dogs obviously played those two teams, so you didn't have... He wasn't competing with Richards. He wasn't competing with Dale. He wasn't competing with Daniel, who, interestingly, I think played... In the forward line, like I was, I had thought I'd mixed up my left and right. So yeah. coming in from this side of the screen, I thought, is he, is he half, high Yeah, half that's forward? not good for Caleb Daniel. We don't want, we don't want half forward Caleb Daniel. No, so I think it was stocks down for him. But yeah, just interesting with Caulfield that there was really no one else to compete with. Um, yeah, I think I think they versed the Hawks. I think it's the same matchup next week as well. I'm pretty sure it's Bulldogs versus Hawthorne again. So hopefully Bevo decides to. Maybe uh, Bevo is just keeping his cards close to his chest. I don't know, but bloody hell, like Bevo. give us a proper squad, Bevo. All right, let's move on to the Adelaide Showdown. Uh, Port yeah. versus Adelaide Crows. Now we did take a few stats again, and this one had our pen and paper out there, like the fantasy nerds that we are in the preseason. Um, and the takeaway here for me, or one of the biggest takeaways for me here, was Ollie Wines. Again, we talk about matching up comments from coaches, comments from media, and what we see in the games. And he was the guy who had the most center bounce attendances. Um, we pegged him roughly at 75%. Take that with a pinch of salt. We probably missed a couple. But he, he was the guy that was in there the most. Um, didn't stand out from a, wow, look at Ollie Wines. He's dominating kind of point of view. But the role was definitely supportive of what that's being said of him in the preseason, which to me... I dismissed him a little bit earlier in the preseason as a guy that I wasn't too keen on, but I am I'm more in now. I think he's definitely someone who I'm <laughs> You're all in, mate. Uh, well he's on my team right now, but uh, a little spoiler alert for next video, but he he definitely is someone that I'm watching very closely in the next game as well. Yeah. And I just don't wanna like if the coach says he's fit, he's got an inside midfield role, he's uh, best and fairest Brownlow medalist winner. He's the number one guy in in a in a team, and you don't pick him, and he's priced at seventy seven. Like you kind of might look back and go, "What what was I thinking?" Like that, it, it all lines up for me. But yeah, it's just what can he you... sustain that in that kind of game plan? Are the other guys really taking that many points away from him? That's the question I think we have. So in that same game, Crouch played, and, and Crouch and Wines are essentially similar similar price. Yeah. So, what people are, I, I think people who are high on Crouch are expecting Crouch to be able to average 95 in the role that they're hoping for. Yep. So are you expecting Wines to be able to average 95? I think he can do that. I think um, I've got him pegged like between that, like at a low range of 92 and a high range of like 100. So he'd be around that 95, 96, 97 sort of range for me. Um, I just feel more confident in his position in the team, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, and. 
we'll touch on this in a sec as well, but Isaac Rankin was in the midfield very heavily in this game. And if they do have a bit more of that speed going through there, I think that that is a to the detriment of someone like a Crouch. I think he benefits more when the game is repeat stoppages, tackles, contested footy. Whereas if they get Rankin, he was in there over 60%, basically as their third highest yeah, attendee there. Um, and he was in the starting centre bounce um, there, Rankin. And you still want to maybe get Pedler and Rochelle and um, those kind of types through there, at least a, a little sprinkling of them. His low time on ground is a bit of a concern as well. There's just there's a few more flags for me from Matt Crouch in terms of his role security than an Ollie Wines. But you would still say that... I mean, Crouch looked better than Wines. Like, he definitely, in the time he was out there, got a lot of the ball. But weighing that up with everything else, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning more towards Wines now, where I was the opposite before the game. Uh, before the game, I was definitely more Matt Crouch. But this pushed me more towards the Wines direction. But... Is there also something to be said for just paying up a little bit more and getting a guy like Nick Martin, who, in my eyes, if he's in the half-back role that we kind of expect, could he average more than than a Wines and a Crouch? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think we, we've skipped over that, that game. We might not have the notes there, but uh, we'll have to go back and revisit that one. But yeah, I think there is definitely an argument to be said there. Um, yeah. Obviously, the old way of thinking is we want those midfielders and we want those inside guys, but the half-back role is it's in vogue right now, and um, yeah. those younger guys, they don't necessarily have a capped ceiling. Like we, They could be anything. They really you know, could be. Like they, they could be coming into their career best year versus these guys who are obviously a little bit older. Um, so, yeah, just a little interesting one there that I think um, that flip of me going Matt Crouch to Wines after this game was, was interesting. I uh, want to touch on Rosie and Butters. Butters... Basically pure inside mid, that's mm. fine. Rosie, more forward time. Yeah, definitely was. He was, um, coming yeah. Coming out of the goal square. Coming out of the goal square, he had under 50% CBAs in the first three quarters. Now, he played the fourth quarter, whereas Butters and Wines did not. So, I'm wondering if, okay, were they just getting a few other guys in there when they knew that maybe Butters and Wines were not going to play the fourth quarter, and then Rosie played inside mid in that fourth quarter, so I wouldn't necessarily, if I had Rosie on my side, I wouldn't be panicking yet per se, but it is something to watch next week if that trend Definitely continues. Well, Mead spent a bit of time in that midfield as well, and I don't know whether I see that. Drew didn't play. So, yeah, did Willem Drew was the guy that didn't play. So I think that that's probably his role. Yeah. But the fact that he played, what, 60% CBAs nearly. Um, again, maybe it's them just looking at it a bit more. I'd have to think... Of all the players that are going to come down from this, or what we tweeted out with, with Mead at nearly 60%, that's probably high. Yeah. I would think that that's not going to be that high in a regular game. But again, it's what happened. I have some doubt whether it'll continue. So I think that maybe Rosie obviously will be higher than that. And Drew will come in for Mead and maybe play 50 or fewer percent of CBAs. Yeah, um, definitely. But interesting. You mentioned obviously Rankin had that high... CBA role, but we're both kind of watching it. Thought he he still is impact over over that yeah of footy. Yeah, he he was in there. He um like he's not the tackling type. I don't think like he's not yeah, the guy he's that be exploding out of stoppages. Yeah, he, he comes out fast, gives them pace. I think he might have crept forward a kick to goal. Um, look, I, I don't think I'd start with him, but he's definitely someone you could watch and maybe jump on if if it does look good. Yeah, um, but. If you'd swapped his role with Rochelle's role, 
I'd be much more excited to see Rochelle do what he was doing because I do think Rochelle plays a bit more of that midfield type game and tackles a bit more and accumulates a bit more. But yep. uh, ranking, I'm not as excited about personally. Jordan Dawson, Rory Laird, they just kind of did their thing. Not they did their thing. Yeah, not not too much to talk about in that one. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're going to expect more of the same from them moving forward. Um, I think Dawson, there was there was times where Dawson maybe came up from half forward, but it was kind of like a rest, really, and that was it. Um, so I still think they're going to be their first choice mids and pretty much do everything we expect them to. Should we do Frio West Coast and then just circle back around to that Essendon game? Yes, we will. Let's go into Frio West Coast where we've got some more extended notes. And the big takeaway from this one here to me was a little bit of a flag on Andrew Brayshaw, um, who is currently still sitting at my, my M1 in my team. Um, now, we know that Hayden Young, Nat Fife were both in there a lot. Yeah. Um, but we thought that Brayshaw's still the guy in there and maybe he loses a little bit, but I was hoping may, maybe more high half forward, which Mini Monk, who came on our last... Um, community chat series video um, said that's what he expected as well. The thing here that gets me a little bit confused is there was no Jeremy Sharp, who was yeah. a laid out with illness, I think. That's big. And they also started to muck around a bit in the second half with Hayden Young playing off half back yeah. um, and Fife only played the first half. So I'm just questioning whether or not, okay, is it Fife is in the midfield. We want to just see what he can do. Let's chuck him in there every single time he's out there into the midfield. And we know he's not going to play the second half, so we can rest him that way. Versus in a full-length game, are they maybe using him a bit more sparingly? And Brayshaw doesn't play as quite as much time on the wing, but it still is enough for me to go, okay, there's a question there that I didn't think that there would be before the game. Yeah, w- what I saw in the first quarter to me was what lined up with everything that's being said out of Frio. So the yeah. first the first quarter, I was Which like, was okay, that, that in lines there. up. So it was Hayden Young. It was Brayshaw in there. Obviously, Fife was still in there. He was getting Hayden his. Young was in there. Sarong was in there. So for me, that first quarter was like, okay, well, this is what I expected to yeah. see based on what we've been hearing. And then the second quarter was then Brayshaw out to the wing. Obviously, Fife was in there. And Johnson then, went and in. Johnson went in. And then I yeah. think it was from the second half, then Hayden Young went out. So... I think in terms of the Brayshaw thing, I would be more concerned if from the get-go all throughout the game, Brayshaw was playing this combination of wing yeah. and midfield because then you'd say, okay, well, maybe this is something they're going with. But it just it would seem very weird in a match sim to go, Brayshaw, first quarter, you're going to play exclusively midfield. There was no wing time in the first quarter. No, and then yeah. it was just like, go and play on the wing. So it struck, struck me as one of those ones where like, mate, we know you're in the midfield. Just yeah. go have a run around on the wing. Just yeah. go and you know, do your thing out there and we're going to just you know test some other things out. Hopefully, if you're a Brayshaw fan, that's what it was. Yep. Um, and then the, the fact that Sharp isn't there maybe plays into that as well. As, oh, Sharp's are laid out. We need someone too. We just flip the mates around. Hey, Brayshaw, go, go run around the wing yeah. for, for a bit. We know what you can do. It, it wouldn't concern me if there wasn't already discussions about that being potentially a thing. Um, you know, obviously, you've got two guys coming into the midfield that weren't there last year. Yeah. Um, Omiro was out, so that's obviously the, the easiest thing to sort of substitute. And yeah. and there is a world where they do have like that tight Gold Coast kind of region where they have four guys going through there, and Brayshaw is in there heavily. But just because that... I mean, there's been talks about Brayshaw. He's not that inside contested guy. He's a better outside player yeah. than a Fife, than a Sarong than a Hayden Young, potentially. So, that's just the... Yeah, it's a small flag, and when you're paying up for a million-dollar player, you don't want any flags. So, don't. It, it was a little bit concerning to see there. I'm not ruling him out yet. I, I want to sort of see another another sample, see what happens next week, but just something to, to monitor. Um, Hayden Young? Hay- Hayden Young has had this just miraculous turnaround in my mind, because there were points uh, last year when we owned him where we thought he was scared of the Sharon. 
Yeah. And and now watching him play as a midfielder, he loves to get dirty. For a, yeah, guy, with, for a guy that has a top knot, you don't normally associate <laughs> them with getting stuck in the mud. But yeah. he, he tackles, he goes in hard. Um, I love the midfield. And he kicks so well too. Like Does whenever he gets that like penetrating kick, low yeah. and fast. That yeah. midfield role is it's it's come too late, but we're happy that it's arrived. Oh, I, I think it's good. Like I said, he, he played stints in defence in the third quarter, but I don't expect that to be the role. Like just. They've talked him up in the midfield yeah. all preseason, so yeah. I think that was them just kind of mixing and matching. I think they they sent Erasmus in there as well in the second half, so I think they were just getting a look of some of those guys. So I think he's he's in there. Nat five. A lot of people are going to be talking about Nat five. Yes, he was pure inside mid. Yep, basically no other role. Yep. Um, the stat watchers and stuff and stat counters out there reckon he had 20-plus disposals in that first half. 20-plus disposals? Disposals, or? yeah. And But that equated for basically 40 to 45 fantasy points. So do the little math there. That's not a great fantasy points per disposal outcome. And that was what we noted from the game as well. Was yeah. He's getting a bit of it, but whenever there were those outside chains where you plus sixes he were wasn't available, interested. Sarong and Brayshaw yeah. were just living on those plus sixes. So... There's a little flag there. It's like, okay, well, if he's had 20 disposals and he's got 45 points, yeah. do you expect him to be having 40 disposal games every no, week? I can't no. see that happening. But also, we talk about role as being king in these kind of scenarios. And for the a role guy, was there. For a guy that's so cheap in a forward line where we need options, you've got a two-time Brownlow medalist yep. that has that role. It's kind of hard to say no, isn't it? I still, I still want to see it over a full game. Like, yep. he played a half, yep. and what I said before about Brayshaw is, was that half... Pure inside mid, just because. Okay, we know we've got you for a half. Let's just throw you in there. Yeah. If we need to get you through a full game, all right. And we are we more selective with when you go in there? And I think that still will be the case. But again, another one to watch next week. You loved what you saw from the next guy that <laughs> we're talking about, Jaden Jordan Clark. I did like Jordan Clark, and it was funny. We've talked about Jordan Clark on previous podcasts, and I think you were giving it the like, "Oh, Jordan Clark's no good." And I was just gently nudging my laptop this <laughs> he way because he was sitting in my team. I was like, "Yeah, Mitch, he sucks. Fuck it, if I can delete him." But I liked what <laughs> no, I saw back from Jordan Clark. Right. I like. He looked good to me too. He looked uh, really good. I, I mean, there's there's all these caveats. It's West Coast. It's mm-hmm. match sim. It was so just. Uh, you know, halfback friendly, wasn't yes. it? Like, I completely acknowledge all those things, but it did to me seem as though, with the absence of Hayden Young in that first half, it seemed to be like he, he was Luke there. Luke Ryan was there. You know? Luke Ryan was there. Yep. Um, Clark had a couple of kickouts. I think, you know, Luke Ryan still wants the monopoly on those. <laughs> yeah. But it just, he did enough for me to not dismiss it early on. Oh, I, I actually think he elevated a little bit in my eyes. Like, it, it looks like he was the clear distributor of halfback. Like, he definitely was the speed coming out of that defensive line. Um, Something that worries me is that he, he has done this previously where he'll do a bit of waxing against a Nuffy team. Or yeah, well, in like pre-seasons as well. <laughs> yeah. So, that, that worries me a little bit. Is like when the whips mm-hmm. are cracking and when when the heat's on and you've got like Collingwood-level pressure coming at you across halfback, yep. is he going to be able to do it? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, don't discount him, I think. I also think to note here that the, the Frio game plan looked as Frio as it ever has. Like, they were still chipping it around, you know, doing some switches and things like that and possessing the ball, kick mark a little bit. So I don't think that that's going to dramatically change this season based on what we saw there, uh, which I think bodes well for someone like a Clark. Yeah. Just going to mention, I haven't talked about him much, but Caleb Sarong was fucking everywhere in that first right. half especially. He, he, he was, he was getting so much ball. Um, plenty of marks inside the defensive 50. He was their number one midfielder, essentially, and um, I do think that he's going to be their number one tag target. 
Uh, whether how much teams do tag early in the season is another question, but he looks bloody good. Um, not sure if like you want to pivot from a Brayshaw to him if you had that in your plans. I don't know if I'd be looking to do that, but he looked good. Um, from the West Coast side? Yeah, yeah. Elliot Yo was somebody that a lot of people were watching, mm-hmm. and he got through unscathed. Which well, what I loved is he played, he played four quarters. He played the whole game. Nat Fife, he, he did half. You know, some of these older players in other games played half. Elliot Yo played the entire game. Yeah. I don't think he dominated or racked it up completely. Like, he had a, he had a goal in the, I think, the third quarter or something like that, which looked all right. Um, but our issue with him is the body, right? Yeah. That so gives me confidence. So if we've ticked that box, it's, it's not, he didn't, like you said, he didn't pick it up. But what we're mainly looking for is role yep. and and body, and I think he ticked those two boxes. Oh, I think he ticked those boxes too. And and if he's confident enough, and the coaches are confident enough to be like, yeah, no, nah, stop, keep playing, mate. Yeah. Then I think that's a good sign. Um. Yeah. So I I think that's a tick for Elliot Yo so far. Harley Reed, you played a bit of inside mid and half back. We're not really talking about him too much, but he didn't didn't rack it up too much like McKercher did. Yeah, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't absolutely everywhere, but it's it's like you're still picking him. So you still have the role. So tick there. Yeah. Um, Liam Duggan. Some people looking at him inside mid and defence. So I don't know what role we actually want him to play, but I don't think he took many two kick ins. Um, I don't think he was playing super intense. He was kind of rolling the legs over a little bit. So take that with what you will. And the uh, the half back or kick in role that we maybe flagged for Alex Witherden, I actually think went to Jaden Hunt. I think he was more the preferred guy, and um, so that for me kind of rules out Witherden. Yeah, I put a line through him in terms of an option. I think Hunt is actually going to benefit more so with the absence of someone like a um, Shannon Hearn, obviously retiring. So, but probably not enough to select him either. So I think a lot of those back, you know, those defenders for West Coast, uh, I'm not excited enough to really consider them seriously. But yeah, I think um, interesting to see that Hunt was probably the guy that. Benefited the most in that yeah. situation. Yeah, it's an interesting move there, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go back to that uh, final game which we did uh, skip over, which was the Essendon versus St Kilda game. There was some bad news to come from this one for yeah. Boy Winter. Yeah, see, he was a guy that's been sitting in my team just quietly, just filling that D4 spot for me. First four CBAs, yeah. he was in there. Yeah. Um, he was doing well, came out, and it's come out to say that he has got a broken hand. Um, so didn't play... I mean, he was out after five, six minutes and didn't play the rest of that game. So, look, it's going to be hard to pick him on the back of that. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to play next week or even if he's going to be ready for round one. So, it no, kind of sucks, but, yeah. yeah. I think he will have that midfield role. No crouch either. So Yeah, no Brad Crouch. So, yeah. um, but uh, Philippou was in there a little bit as well. So, you'd have to think... One of those go. guys at least gets moved out. He's one that we'll now watch as a guy that we potentially have to get on. If he maybe we can pivot pivot there if something to. doesn't doesn't work out. I mean, he he's the kind of price where if if the Yo or the Clark move is not working out, that yeah. you go down to a popping yeah Hager, exactly something like that. So um, yeah, just because he's not there round one doesn't mean he's not relevant. So what did you think about uh, Jack Steele? How did he look to you? I think he was just ticking the legs over. I think I read somewhere that he's. CBA percentage was nice and high again. Yeah, he was right up there. We want to see. We want to see that time on ground be good, but you can't you can't look into that from a match sim perspective either. But it looked as though um, he was playing the role that we want, and and hopefully he's going to be back to the Jack Steele of old. He looked a bit, he had a different haircut. I was going to say hair looked good. Yeah, great fade. 
definitely. I, did, I, I couldn't recognise him a few times. Well, that and yeah. the fact that all these games were filmed on a potato. Yeah, and they had that. They had those blue uniforms that were very were tough. difficult to see the numbers and stuff like that. Um, but I, I actually really like what I saw from Steele. Took several marks, and with Jack Steele marks, Jack Steele scores. Um, the tackles will definitely come. So I liked what I saw there. Nick Not Martin. too much else for Nick Saints. We go talk about. Let's go Essendon. Boy. Yeah, Let's Nick go. Martin. He looked everywhere. I was very excited about what I saw from Nick Martin. He, and, was, um, he was doing about as much manning up in defence as he was on the wing last yeah. year. <laughs> he was not my, worried about it one bit. My synopsis there. Uh, he also he got in and tackled well, I think, was also something that I didn't expect to see as much of. That for me is a bonus. That's not going to be every week. It's not going to be every week, but just the fact that he is capable... It's like a willingness. I think is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. um, Look but, at, looking at him, you... Reckon he wouldn't be able to fight his way no. out of the paper bag, but he's... He, he still shared the kick-ins with McGrath, and there was no Ridley in this game either. But the way I saw it is, I don't think any of those guys are going to take much away from him. To no. me, he looks like the guy that... Like, if you think about the third highest score from Essendon last year, it was Will Setterfield at 92. I think he goes that at a minimum. Yep. Um, and he could push that triple-digit marker which makes him a top six defender. Mm. Um, pretty thirsty, didn't he? he? He did look pretty thirsty. He only had four marks, I think, was counted in, in the game. But, again, it's the pre- it, was, it was a windy day, I think, as well. So, yeah. I think that... I, I walked away from that game going, Nick Martin looked very impressive. <laughs> it's like that half-back role's always yeah. built for a guy like that. Yes. Um, so, I think he ticks a lot of boxes for me. Anyone else sure. from Essendon? I think Merritt had a bit of a... A knock, I think, at one point, but he came back oh, out, so yeah. I think he was fine. Wouldn't imagine um, an issue. Not too much else, really, to discuss from the Essendon point of view. Obviously, I mean, we can, we circle back to St Kilda for Wanganeen Miller a little bit, but it's really oh, yes. hard. It's really hard to kind no of Sinclair. tell exactly no Sinclair there. But I mean, he he looked good. He looked like he was getting a little bit of ball off half back. Yeah. So I think he's one of those classic stocks didn't go up, but stocks probably didn't go down. Yeah, either. I don't think you're changing too much of your perception of him based on that game. Yeah. It, it it's sort of the the research you've done to that point as well. Sardis as well. While we were watching, had a little bit, bit of, of wing a, wing time, a little bit of wing time there as well. Yeah, um, but. Not, not something that completely changed my mind on him either. So I'm yeah. interested to watch watch Essendon again next week. Last one to touch on is was Jide Caldwell. Uh, sort of mentioned in the same breath as like a um, Tom Powell. I think his stocks were more down. I don't think he got as many CBAs as I would have hoped. And um, he is also more expensive. He's at six seventy eight k. So I think I'd definitely be probably looking at the cheaper options than uh, a Jide Caldwell. I don't think he's probably going to do what we need him. To do so, yeah, that might do it for us, mate. Well, it says an hour and six minutes, but we've been sitting here for close to three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much, guys, for uh, for tuning in, and hopefully, this gives you guys some good insights. Remember, like and subscribe, and if you can, go over to our YouTube channel, hit the big thumbs up on our round one round one live show, which has the landing page there, so we can make it the biggest show of the preseason. Let's get a hundred. Hell, let's get two hundred likes on that bad boy, and uh, we'll make it a big, big show. Uh, Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye! (laughs) 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.